Welcome to the Be Better Mindset Podcast, where we talk about the importance of improving life across every variable. We talk about topics like self-improvement, health, and so many strategies to manage the many stresses we have in life. If you are interested in pursuing happiness, bettering yourself daily, and reaching your fullest potential, this podcast is for you. Remember, you are great, but you can always be better. Hey guys, welcome back to the Be Better Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Royce, and today I want to talk about how to reduce fatigue. And it's not like a physical thing that I'm going to teach you. It's going to be more of a mindset thing that I want to teach you today. And the reason why I want to start talking about this topic is I've been exploring and researching different athletes that have massive resilience, massive endurance, and has done things that I would almost think that would be humanly impossible. So I've been diving into a lot of work of David Goggins, and and currently I am reading a lot about Ross Edgley. And if you guys don't know, I don't know if I said his name, Ross Edgley, Edgley, but anyways, this guy swam Britain, like just the, the coast of Britain for 157 days straight without touching land, which I think is remarkable. I think swimming for 10 minutes is remarkable for me. So just by seeing something like that, I think is fascinating. He's also done 24 hours worth of rope climbs. He's done something called a triathlon where you run a tree for a marathon. And he's also pushed a giant truck for a marathon as well. So he's done some pretty, pretty amazing things. And one thing that allows me to improve my mindset and different aspects of my life. I try to read from from people that's done pretty amazing things because a lot of times I borrow what how they think, how they strategize, how they practice, what adversities they go through and I take that on. So the reason I've been reading a lot of grit and endurance and resilience type of leaders is uh, my wife and I recently registered for two world records one for 12-hour MRF and also one for 24-hour MRF. So there's currently none registered, so we are setting that up currently. And when I say we, I mean my wife. She does all of those stuff because it's just, I get really frustrated, like reading all the rules, signing up for things, calling, waiting for response, emailing, waiting for response. So it's just That stuff just really drives me nuts, but my wife loves it. She loves doing all that stuff, so she's really getting the back end prepared so we can attempt or set a record in the next few months. I want to say four months. So so I've been really gearing up both my fitness, like I've been been adding more stress into my work just so I can create this adaptation. And uh, I've been I've been improving my nutrition, really just kind of limiting certain foods that I normally eat. So I want to make sure I'm I'm as fit as possible for this. And then and then the on the other side, I have been reading a lot on mental grit and mental fortitude. So <clears throat> I've been exploring a lot of these athletes and and not just the science component to it, but more of the mindset component to it. And the things that I'm learning, guys, I'm starting to apply it not only in my fitness, so I'm, I'm, I'm gradually getting stronger and, and more durable, but I'm also applying it into areas of my life, which I think is amazing. So so by, by, by doing so, I've been producing more. What I mean by that, producing more content, making more calls, um, 
it just in general, just my fitness has been more productive. My relationship has been more productive, both with my wife and also my son. And um, I wanted to share this concept with you because I think it applies to a lot. So so, so how I got this idea was I, I got into a chapter in Ross Esley and he was talking about fatigue and how fatigue is two parts. It's not just one part. People think it's just like, hey, it's just physical fatigue. You know, the legs will burn out eventually and then you can't do it anymore. While that component is really, really true, you want to be able to train the legs, the arms, whatever, physically as much as you possibly can. There's another part that play a huge role in fatigue, which is your narrative. And it's your narrative behind really, depending on what the workout, like the way the way I talk about it and the way I, I shot on my Instagram just recently is what is the back 20% of your narrative in the workout. So on your last 20% of your workout, what are you saying to yourself? And man, I started, so once I started to understand that, this concept that there's a lot of psychology involved. Now, if you didn't have any psychology, you would probably get hurt and die because you wouldn't feel anything. So there's, there's, there's that component. But there's also a component where people quit too early. People shut down too early because they are having conversations within themselves that they can't do it. So I wish I would have wrote down a lot of my narratives pre-Murph and pre a lot of my exercises because I think I would have grown and really understood why my fitness was where it was. So, so recently as I'm starting to do these workouts, I've just been more conscious on what stuff that I'm saying inside my workouts. And that and and as I started to do that, I started to write it down, but also I started to ask a lot of my my coaches what their narrative was like on the back 20%. And and then I and then and then just to kind of have fun with that, I've also asked kind of some of the regular athletes, athletes that um, that that just just barely started. You know, they're brand new to the game, and um, and I found some some pretty cool revelations. So, so the first part of this practical guide is to first identify what your narrative is on the back twenty percent of your workout. Now, if you want to apply this to your workout, it's sweet. It's really easy to test, but you could also apply this into your work life. If you're working 10 hours out of the day, what are your thoughts like on the last two hours, right? And just observe it. And then and then the second component to this is write it down, right? Write it down. It's really important to write it down because it actually gives you concrete data. And it also like, it just brings this all to life that you can actually see what you're thinking. Because a lot of times when you're just thinking and you're not writing things down, you, it's very difficult to grasp that you have control over it. So when you write your thoughts down on paper, you immediately gain control of it because it's no longer part of you. So what is the narrative? Step one, what is the narrative on the back 20% of your day or of your workout? Number two, write it down. And number three, replace it with a more resilient narrative, okay? On, on the back end of this, I'm gonna share you guys my three narratives that I have in fitness, but I also want to share you the three current narratives that I have in business based on based on the stuff that I'm going through in in my companies. So and then step four is really just to observe the results and then just 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 be a student. Just be a scientist and see see the results. And it's really exciting to really see it. So so guys, 
so the past few days I've, I've been kind of ramping up my intensity doing workouts where I would probably never do right um but recently just just actually yesterday i've been dreaming of doing 45 minutes of just muscle ups right but 45 muscle or or 45 minutes of muscle ups really without gloves cuz i wanted to test the resiliency of my skin because i know going into 12 hours or 24 hours of murph the skin will eventually get destroyed so I really wanted to test that and, and, and maybe I can calcify my, my hands and it's already really like calloused so much that I can do hundreds without really ripping. But when you're doing muscle ups, there's just so much more friction. So, but um, it ripped, it ripped like 75, 75 reps in, all of it ripped. When one part of your hands rip, the rest of them rip consecutively and it's just, it's nuts. The cool thing about about what's happening as I as I'm doing this is I don't really really feel it. It just looks bad, but I don't feel it. That's the most. That's what's really interesting about the adaptation that's that's happened with my hands as I do more more and more Murph. So that part's not bad. It's just really hard to hang on, and it kind of changes your your technique a little bit, so it makes it a little bit bit difficult. So, anyways. As I'm doing some of these crazier workouts, as I get tired, I start to just talk to myself. And one of the things that I that I normally say to myself on the last half of the workout or the back 20 or the last 10% of the workout is I'll start to say these things and I'll repeat it over and over. Sometimes they'll change, sometimes uh, <clears throat> it repeats. So one of the things that I say to myself at the last 20% is I can easily do one more. I've noticed that I say this all the time. I can easily do one more. In a lot of my immerse, what I do is I do one more extra rep just for a good measure. Sometimes I'll do an extra round or I'll take an extra distance because I know that back the back of that work will start to compound into something much larger. But every time I get tired, this is what I say to myself. I can easily do one more. And people are always asking like, how come you never look tired? Like this is your second, this is your third workout. And, I, and, and, and they're just, and, I, and for me, I was like, I don't know. And um, as I started to ask some of my coaches, some of my coaches have the same thing. They're like, this is just another day. This is just what I do, right? They, they all had their own individual narratives. And I started to ask some of the brand new athletes or maybe some of the brand new coaches. And they'll say narratives like, oh, only one more minute, or I just got to survive this, right? So it's very, uh, it's the narrative is there, but it's also a narrative that that's more, more, more made for survival instead of like straight thrive, right? Or, or um, dominate. So, so that's just something that I've, that I've been noticing because the ones that fatigue out much quicker have these really survival type narratives. And I was like, I got to change. I mean, like that's, I didn't realize that, but it, but it, it just happens to be true. And if you guys don't believe me, go out there, run a mile as hard as you can, see what you say in the last 20% and see if it's something that's more in line of what, how I, I think. I was like, I can easily do one more. I can easily go faster. Or, or is it somewhere on in the lines of, Oh God, it's only a hundred more meters. It's only one more minute, right? And I'm not saying that's bad because I've had those initial thoughts 
in so many areas of my life, not so much in fitness anymore, but in, but in areas of my business. I got to work one or more hour, right? I got to make 25 more phone calls. Oh, I got to make one more content to make sure my coaches get this. I got to prep this. I got to call that. I got to pay this bill, right? It's, it's very survival mechanism narrative that's also contributing to the fatigue that's already real, right? I'm not saying you can just like positively build yourself up so well that you'll, you'll just never have fatigue. The fatigue will happen, but fatigue is happening in two parts, both in your mind and both in your body, right? But a lot of times we have so much left in what the body and what we can do that we stop ourselves way too early because we quit on our mind, right? So hopefully by the end of today, you're able to really identify what your current thoughts are, okay? So my three narratives in fitness when I get tired is one, I can easily do one more. That's, that's one of my biggest ones that I say. That's why I always put that hashtag one more, right? The second one, and if you guys have kids, you can bleep this out or you could just pause it really quick. But I also tell myself, fuck the standard, right? Fuck the standard curve. The world is my testing ground. And what I mean by that is there's a natural bell curve for most things that people do, right? The, I call that the average, I don't want to be in the average. I don't want to be in the standard curve. I want to be on the outlier. Not just for any reason. I just want it like for the most part, I just want to see what my body is made of. I just want to see what I'm actually capable of doing, right? I want to, I want to know my standard, not the average population. And I think that's one of the main reasons why people fall back into places because they're they're setting their standards on the average instead of the standard of what they're capable of, right? So, so that's something that I always say. F the standard, like what? Like the world is my testing ground every time I do that. And, and for some, they might think that it's like just me kind of showing off because I had a conversation with one of my, my athletes. They're like, man, you're just making me feel bad. You're making me look bad. I was like, no, I just want to test my body right? No, it's because I know for four months down the road, I might feel this level of pain and I want to remember it and I want to know what I need to do, right? So, so there's, there's those athletes that feel like I'm just making them look bad or something, something along those lines. But there's also a group of athletes that are like, man, I'm not doing anything. I need to move my standard. He's playing with his own rules, right? And I'm playing with everyone else's rules, what if I started playing with my own rules and what I believe, what my capacity is? And what's really amazing about this, guys, is it starts to kind of elevate the people that you're around, right? David Goggins had, had a chapter in there with a guy named Captain Connolly. And it was, I think it's one of the best chapters. It's on his second book, guys. If you haven't re- listened to it or read it, you got to do yourself a favor and do that because your resilience, your discipline, your just mental toughness and fortitude will just go way up just by learning and applying a lot of the stuff that he's talking about. But anyways, there was this uh, captain that did everything above standard. He did the miles faster. He did more pull-ups. He did more push-ups than he needed to. The swims were faster. Anytime there was a question, he would be the first one to answer. He was always in top shape, right? 
and he clearly passed the standards, but everyone else in that group just just was like, I felt like I didn't do anything. So they they raised the standards, and 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 what happened is they it's just it just kind of just lifts everything up, okay? So and um and that's just kind of the things that people misinterpret a lot of times and misunderstood about the people that do more. The people that do more doesn't necessarily mean they're just like pooping on the rest of the world. They're just doing more because they just want to see what they're made of. And in the event that you want to rise up and try to meet your own individual expectations, great, right? And um, consequently, like as I as I start to ramp up my fitness, as I start to ramp up my uh, my my tasks at work, and I try to do them at as, as at a highest level as I possibly can. There's, there's people around me that rise up as well, which is so amazing. And you don't even realize it. They're just doing more. You know, they're asking for more tasks to do. Their workouts themselves are getting harder. And I'm like, man, these guys are putting in work. They're counting their, their nutrition a little bit more. They're dedicating more time in their recovery, their sleep. They're reading more without me really doing anything. I'm just, I'm just effing the standard, right? So... So that's one way I have this narrative in my mind. The, and then the last one, and this is just like sometimes because now I'm thinking about um, setting this, this world record, is this temporary discomfort is a lifelong investment in me winning in so many areas in my life. And it's not just in my fitness life. I've noticed as I start to push the threshold of my body, it bleeds into my, my, my business. It bleeds into my relationship. I spend more time with my family now than I ever had in my business career, and my business is bigger than what it was, right? And, I, and, and, it's, and yes, like I, I, now I, I dedicate a little bit more time with them, but what's responsible for it a lot of times is with the the amount of stuff that i've been putting into my fitness and it just naturally bleeds into that so so naturally because of that i started to like like what is my narrative on the back half of my business what is the narrative on the first 6 hours of my day from 6 to 12 and was it what's the narrative from 12 to 6 and i started to notice some some narratives that were more survival mode on the back half compared to a narrative where you're just straight dominating everything okay so one of the narratives that i'm saying is like well i created all this work in the past six hours i can probably i can take i can chillax and i stopped the whole the rest of the half and recently i've been like i can do way more I can do way more. So I've replaced it. And because I've replaced these narratives, my day is stretching in terms of productivity from six hours to 12 hours, nonstop at 100%, right? And my body can handle it. My body can handle it. My mind can handle it. My ability to create content and create processes is unlimited when I, when I have this particular narrative, because I've started to just understand it a little bit more. So I've replaced it with these three in my narratives in my business. Because if you guys have been following the past episodes, I've been, I've been really uh, playing the role of the salesperson in, in my company. So I've been doing a lot of the calls, a lot of the marketing, a lot of the advertising. 
And I've taken that as a whole. And one of the tasks that I do on a daily basis is to make a hundred phone calls per day. And it's daunting. It's a, it's a lot of calling. It's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of people just saying, F off, I don't want to talk to you, right? Or you got the wrong number. It's not necess- That doesn't happen all the time, but for some reason in my head, I feel like that's what it does, okay? So naturally, when you're making 100 plus calls every day, you just can't wait to be done. You're like, I got 10 more calls. I got five more calls, right? That's very survival-esque, right? So I started to change that. And the way I change that is the narrative that I say when I get closer to the last 20 calls that I got to do in, in my sales calls is there is one more person behind that phone that will help that, that we can help their change or, or geez, there is one person behind that phone that will need our help so they can change their life forever. So that's what I say to myself now on the second half. I don't necessarily have to bring it on the first half because I'm pretty fired up from all my workouts, all the other things. My calls are normally better, but when fatigue really starts to set in, I start applying some of these tools. I start applying some of these narratives. So because I'm saying this, guys, it's giving me more energy to do one more phone call. And what's ironic is I don't do one more. I end up doing 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 more. I've done 50 more extra calls at one day because I was just kind of telling myself this. And then inside that phone call, I have so much energy behind it. And I just, and then I get more energy behind it because the person's just getting, you can tell they're really, really, they're, they really need your help. And then uh, a phone call leads to an appointment, appointment leads to an actual in-person appointment and so on and so forth. And then you're just like, you start to feed off your own energy, which is super cool, right? So in terms of my content creation, it's it, it's been one of the things that's always been challenging, especially as my workload ramps up in in the sales component and the other sides. I I tend to not create as much content. Right now it is it is two twenty three. Normally I don't create content before twelve because I have this false belief where I I'm the most creative before twelve which is a limiting belief, by the way. It's also an excuse not to create content. But what I told myself is like, just recently, I was like, someone will listen to this episode years down the road and be grateful as I'm grateful for all of the leaders that spoke of their experiences. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people's books that I've read that I'm so grateful for because they shared those experiences. And same same with, with the podcasts that I follow. I don't sometimes... I don't listen to their first episode or their their brand newest episode. I go years back, years, five years ago, you know, three years ago, 10 years ago. And I listen to those and I'm like, that was an awesome episode, right? And that's, that's the energy that I get when I say this narrative. Someone will listen to this episode years down the road and I'll be grateful for it, right? So, and then... The last one, this is kind of more common that I use on long days, like 16-hour days or 12-hour days. You guys can be, by the way, you guys can be successful working six hours. That's possible, but but that's that's your definition, right? So, but there's there's a there's a side of me where I like I want to excel that. So what I say is the difference between good and great is only one more. So every time I say this 
narrative on the back end, I end up doing one more. Sometimes it manifests as one more, sometimes it manifests as 10 more, right? But we all know in your workouts, when you do that one or two extra reps, that's where all the change is. Like if you want, like it's it, when people always tell me they want to change, but they do the same thing, it drives me crazy. Because if you do the same thing over and over, you'll just be the same thing. It's like watching the, the water boil with there's no heat on. They're like, it's, it's going to happen. No, something needs to change for the water to boil. You need to, you need to spark up the burner. You got to get that thing heated up so it can start to boil. It's the same concept. In order to be great, you got to do more, right? It doesn't mean more sometimes in like time frame. It can mean you're more effective in that hour. You're more effective in that 10 minutes. You're more effective in your date nights with your wife. You're more present, right? That's, that's what, what more can mean. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to work 16-hour days. In fact, I, I don't necessarily work 16-hour days that often. But, but when I do, those are some of the narratives that I'll use. <clears throat> but that's what needs to happen. Okay, so guys, if you find yourself fatiguing in both in your fitness, but also in your life, it's probably because the back half of your narrative between yourself is not, is, is not tuned to dominate. It's not tuned to win. It's tuned to survive. And if you can shift that narrative to something that's more resilient and stronger, you'll, you'll start to manifest more productivity, more reps, more of what you want. So guys, if you guys like this episode, make sure to share it with someone who's kind of all over the place. I didn't preset everything, but hopefully you guys got the concept down, right? Start observing what you're saying on the back 20% of your workouts, of your day, of your relationships, whatever that is, and really observe it, write it down, replace it with something a little bit more resilient, and then start observing your results. So guys, if you like our episodes or like our any other episodes, make sure to share, post it on IG, tag us. I'll repost it. And um, I'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Be better.